Hello, one and all, and welcome to the first episode of the Super Fun Happy Hour Podcast, making Happy Hour seem bitterly ironic since 2009. I'm James. And I'm Tom. And, uh, well, welcome to the podcast, really. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to be here for the first time, definitely. Tell you the truth, it's the second time we did it. The first time we did it, we messed up. We've got to always let you know that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so bear with us if we sound a bit sort of bored because we've talked about this before. But, uh, well, there's been new things going on, you know. That's true. Um, new scrubs. Yes. As well, which we shall talk about um, at great length <laughs> in a minute. Uh, but uh, this podcast is fortnightly, so make sure you download it uh, every fortnight. So, um, unless you have anything else to add? Um, just a please and thanks, really. Um, we can get on with the scrubs talk. Okay, well, let's go yeah. on with scrubs. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's been four episodes of the new series. Yes, in two weeks. It's quite good going so far, except now we've got to wait another two weeks for one episode. Is it just one episode, is it? I think so, yeah. Ah, nice. <laughs> it happened. Had to. It had to happen sometime. You know, we got the four episodes in two weeks, which is a blessing, really. Yeah. So, what do you think about Maddox? Then she had three episodes. Yep. Um, well, um, Courtney Cox. I think you know she's a good actress, and um, she was obviously having fun in the role. But yeah. um, she's she she was very Kelso, wasn't she? As we've sure. said before. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, we don't get that. We you know you don't get the depth as um, with her as you do with Kelso. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a. You know, I think I think we're seeing a great side of Kelso this season already. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I must admit, I've found Kelso once again very funny. Um, mm. I mean, it's not very often I don't say that, but it's you know I think I've enjoyed Kelso sort of like outside the hospital, but the fact he can't keep away from the hospital, you know, it's it's quite sweet. There's something romantic about it, isn't there? Especially yeah. as they they demonised him for seven seasons, and yeah. now he's just a human being, and it's. Yeah. It's nice to see you in that role. I quite like the joke as well. Um, every time me and Enid go away, we always end up going to wine country. I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was typical Kelsey. I, I like that we never get to see Enid as well. She's just sort of this mysterious, abusive or abused character, you could say. Mm. Maybe they'll maybe they'll do it at the end of the series. And she turns out to be like this really glamorous woman. I doubt that would happen, but it would be very very funny. There's rumours of um, us hearing Janitor's name as well in the last episode. That should be interesting as well. Yeah. Um, he's been a bit... Uh, I don't know, what's the word? Subdued, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Also, I've noticed that some of the characters as well, the main cast, are going missing for an episode. Yeah. W- coming back for another episode and some of the other characters are gone. Turk was in it for about four seconds, maybe in episode three, just at the lunch table, I think it was. Was he? I, I missed that. Yeah, it was when she said, I only trust three people on that table. And there was JD, Turk, uh, Elliot, and Jordan, I think it was. No, it was Janitor. And, uh, uh, no, it was Dr. Uh, Cox, that was it. Uh, oh, yeah, Janitor, Cox, Turk, and Jenny. And I like the little joke that <laughs> Janitor's one of the people she trusts, and it is yeah. Elliot that she trusts. That's fantastic. <laughs> but, um, and um, obviously, you're very excited about Elliot and JD. Yeah, yeah, I like. I know a lot of people are gonna say, you know, it's been going on for too long, and the ship has sailed, if you like, to coin the yes. phrase. But, <laughs> but I think it's sweet, and they are made for each other. So they're but, not though. They they're are. Not. Did you see it at the end? 
They were okay. hands and... Well, that that's just easy script writing. That's not made for each other. No, I think I think he should have stayed with. Well, I don't know, uh, Julie. I don't know. I like TCW as well. TCW. Uh, she wasn't in it enough. No. No, uh, but I did like those episodes she was in. Especially, especially just the scene at the funeral. <laughs> the screaming montage. Yes. Every time I see that on E4, they cut it out. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Daytime E4 and Scrubs, it just doesn't go together, does it? You get all your favourite things cut out. Yeah, definitely. It's... And it's like I've never actually, I've never actually seen um, the episode where he's with Heather Graham in the bar after she's come back from holiday. And um, they always cut out what his penis says to him in the bar. <laughs> I've never heard it. You've never like, heard it? Oh, I don't know what he says. Oh, that's a shame. Do you know what he says? I do. It's on YouTube somewhere. I'll it, have to find it. He calls it Mr. Peeps. Yeah, I know. He says Mr. Peeps, and then he says, um, he says, yes, I'm British or something, and then they just cut it out. Oh. He goes, um, he goes why are you British? And he goes, I'll explain that later. Just ditch the... Ditch the duo I think can get the girl or something like that really why would they cut that out I'm thinking about that I don't know why they cut that out oh. although I my favourite moment in that episode is just when he uh, just when you know he just says oh I was out with this girl earlier and I blew her off to come with you and he just says I will kill you <laughs> yeah but no Teddy's that was in the oh what was the other name of the girl Oh, Kylie. Kylie, yeah, that was in the Kylie episode, wasn't it? My favourite episode with her was the lockdown episode. Yeah, I think I, I like Tara Reid in that episode. Mm, that's one of my favourites. That's one of my general favourites, actually, I have to think, going back to that. If you think <laughs> about it, 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 you know, it just had all the characters in there, all in the same situation. It was minimalist, but it was great. I loved it. Jordan's brilliant. Um, Indiana Jones parody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was one more thing. Um, oh, yeah, um, the fact that the you know the um, the fourth episode, I think it is, if no one's seen them, the f- any of the new episodes of Scrubs, then you can watch them dubiously online. Um, but the fourth episode has um, you know they're sort of playing on JD's fantasies now, which I think was great. Yeah. Especially. Oh, what, what was the table tennis match that he had? It was, it was in the Sk- Sasquatch versus a ninja. Yeah. Versus a ninja. That was it. In the Sasquatch one. <laughs> <laughs> and then him and Turk took him to a carnival to celebrate. Yeah, it always involved Turk. <laughs> <laughs> the little cutaway as well when uh, um, Elliot and JD were walking down the street, and uh, they cut away, and it's obviously JD and Turk having sex. <laughs> it's that, typical JD. That killed me. It, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking the sort of outtake bloopers they're doing at the end of the show now. I'm glad you brought that up because in the second episode, you know the one where he goes. Um, where he's talked about having Carla's stuff. Yes. I don't get that. I don't get it either. I don't get it because he goes at the end, he goes, you can't say that. I don't get yeah. it. So if anyone knows, then yeah. feel free. Please, fight him. <laughs> yeah, but I don't get it at all. It's it's a bit weird. But, well, um, but yeah, I'm enjoying that as well. It's, well, you know, it makes a change just because it, it's sort of, you know, ever, ever since Series 1, it's sort of been a bit of a disappointment when you hear that music come on and you obviously get a few of the select photos from that episode and it's, you just think oh it's the end of Scrubs mm. whereas now you just get a bit more Scrubs it's extended by a few seconds and it makes you feel happier less for the DVD though you'll put that, the DVD special feature and think I've seen that before that's that that's a good point and I feel well you know it's only going to add up it's going to be about five minutes footage at the end at the end of the series 
And if they can't put more on the DVD, then that's not a very good DVD in my book. Mm. Okay, here's a question. Your favourite Scrubs moment? Of all time? You can't do that. You can't do that to me without any warning. Um, No, I just... Not any that comes to mind. Not really. I mean, I know that I'm going to be hard-pressed to find an immediate favourite, but... What if I were to say the um, secret decoder ring? Bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think JD and Turk together are superb in everything they do. <laughs> that bit sums up JD and Turk all over. It does. I think it's fantastic. That and when they're doing the Sanford and Son um, singing them. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. Um, that that um, that actually moment probably holds more memories for me. Um, when I went to um, Dublin with a few friends, um, we ended up convincing the entire crowd we were with at a gig to actually sing that. <laughs> Dublin, not, the, eh? not the entire crowd, but most most people around that vicinity. About ten people then. Well, yes, but outside of our group, it was it was a, it was a good team building exercise. How good would that would have been if you got the whole crowd just to sing Sanford and stuff. That would have been perfect. That would have made my day. <laughs> and, you know, one day I do I do want to have that moment. So, you know, when you see JD and Toad together, you just want to have one of those moments with one of your friends. Just any one of those moments. Yeah. You want to have a bromantic moment. Bromantic moment. Mm. Romance. So, um, you got high hopes for this series of Scrubs. I do. Um, I think that, I, I hate to say it, but the first two episodes were really great and you know like um, I think it was Bill Lawrence said they really wanted to go back to how season one was and I think the first episode was really great Se- uh, episodes three and four looked like they were slipping sort of back into season six seven territory yeah um, which I'm not too sure about um, there's a bit too much whimsy and um, you know outrageous script writing yeah so um, I'm hoping that they can maybe just not tone it down but just change the tone slightly from what we've been used to and quite indifferent to, I'd say, in the past few years. Yeah. Just an observation, actually, as well about it. Do you, do you think the episode sort of, oh, I would say feel darker, but look darker as well? Is that like they've, yeah. they've filmed it differently as well? Well, I, they've said that they had to make budget cuts and they've obviously moved, moved channels now and things like that. So that I think there's going to be, there's lots of aesthetic changes and things like that. I mean, to be honest, this is probably the most hidden. This is probably going to be, unfortunately, the most hidden miss series. And unfortunately, it's the last season as well. But I guess we're just going to have to hope for the best and put our trust in the writers, who haven't, to be fair, steered us wrong too many times in the past. That's true. And also, I can think of an excellent example as well. Um, when Friends ended, series yes. season like series ten was a bit iffy in places. It started off really, really good. The bit in, um, I think, that was in Barbados. That was fantastic. Yes. It sort of dropped down, and then towards the end again, it got really good. So I'm yeah. hoping that's going to be the case with Scrubs. But... It, yeah. I'm just want to talk about Friends for a minute because I didn't see an episode earlier, and it was one of the newer ones. And you know, I've always professed to be quite indifferent to the newer ones compared to some of the older classics. But there's one episode which just has a great A story, a great B story, and it was it was just generally brilliant. And that's um, the one where um, Ross and Mike hang out. Oh yeah, the one where... <laughs> yeah. And I know it's Monica are talking about adoption and things like that, and it, it was just a hilarious episode. That was obviously. You yeah. know, I'm a big Paul Rudd fan, so it was good for me to watch. He is fantastic in Friends as well. He plays Mike brilliantly. Yes. And uh, I can't imagine anyone more perfect. I think Phoebe. But um, 
speaking of Friends, the best episode of Friends is will always be the one with the embryos, the one where they do the trivia quiz. Yes. That I've, I've seen that episode countless times, but every time it's just... Well, I'm a big fan of quizzes and trivia, as you probably know. And, and that adds to um, the hilarity, but I've seen that episode countless times, and every time it's entertaining and fun. And I, I think that's got... Every time I see, hear Rachel just go, oh, oh, he's a tra- trans monster, like that, <laughs> I just uh, fall apart. It's very... I think that was a golden age for friends. It was. Um, everything was right. Right, moving on now from um, Scrubs um, to Simpsons, um, which is um, admittedly the main focus of our podcast, I'd say, um, and also probably the main po- focus of our train of thought in general life. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Simpsons is obviously um, a show very close to most people's hearts and um, Sky 1 bombarding and Channel 4 bombarding with episodes every day um, surely does add to that, I think, James. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's a, a, a day in my life in the past five, six years where I've where I've gone without thinking about The Simpsons or saying a Simpsons quote out loud or in my head. I think, I think well, the problem is that with 21 seasons to choose from anything that happens in daily life now it's going to remind you of at least one part of it exactly there was a there was a a party i went to when i uh made a bit of a fool myself by proving how much of a geek about the simpsons i was and i was trying to relate everything back to the simpsons like people were trying to point out real life things and i was thinking simpsons did it simpsons already did it simpsons already did it but it's surprising uh, it's surprising how successful you can be with that game actually yeah I mean, they have done quite a lot of things. Yes. I mean, I, I, you'd expect after 21 seasons, but uh, <laughs> but uh, for me, it's the best TV show on Earth. Yeah. Besides, um, well, besides Top Gear. Yes. Well, I'm sure we can talk about Top Gear some other time. Yes. <laughs> but um, we're going to be focusing mainly on seasons 1 to 10 of The Simpsons, I think, because um, after that, well, it does, it does get a bit hit and miss, we can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the first 10 seasons were more or less... Pretty much perfect and pretty much raised me actually from the age of about seven. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was... I... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say actually, the first um, time I remember actually was I had a Simpsons video. It was called Greatest Hits. It had yes. five episodes of The Simpsons on, and there were five brilliant episodes. And um, that that really sort of raised me while I was mm. in uh, secondary school. The first Simpsons VHS I ever owned was Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell. I can't. I, remember. I don't think I ever owned that, but I can't remember. I had some good episodes on that. I think we we had Home of the Heretic. Yes. Um, the Trias of Horror with the art gallery. <laughs> art gallery. Yeah. Um, I can't for the life of me remember the other two, but um, oh, um, there was the Springfield How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Learned to Love Gambling. That episode's fantastic. And um, yeah, I've just uh, those four episodes. I can't remember the fourth one. I'm sorry. But those four, th- those four episodes did just complete my childhood, I think, and made me the person I am today. Mm. Um, James and I recently made a list of our 20 favourite ever episodes, um, which was quite a task in itself, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it took us really the best part of 90 minutes. Yep. Uh, and... Crafted it quite late one night as well, and um, I'm I'm actually quite happy with how with how it panned out because at that time of night you know you're not thinking straight you just might think oh put Trials of Horror 19 in there <laughs> definitely but yeah. um, surprisingly the list did have a lot of criticism 
it came under some fire, yes, but you're going to get that with any list. And with something as broad as The Simpsons, obviously not everyone's going to be happy. Yeah. But I, I stand by our choices. I do as well. There's Every episode on the list should be on the list. I don't think there's an episode that shouldn't be there. Um, I quite I, agree. It's the, the, you could say there are episodes that should be on the list which aren't on there. But Yes, there, there are honourable mentions, you could say. Yeah. Um, One of my favourites I was thinking about the other day, Med to the Mob. <laughs> Mark Hamill is brilliant in that episode. He was, wasn't he? He's absolutely fantastic. And it's just the fact is that people know him better for Luke, being Luke Skywalker. People will address him more as Luke Skywalker. And they took that into like a fantasy world, and they're still doing it in the fantasy world as well. Oh, of course. That's fantastic. And mm. Obviously, Fat Tony is a brilliant character as well. Yes. Who um, voices him? Joe Montaigne, I think his name is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And um, to add a bit of structure to this podcast, because um, this is completely unscripted, as you may have been able to tell, um, to add a bit of structure, we, with the, um, we were going to read out our top 20 in um, descending order. Ascending order, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so um, what's at number 20? At number 20 is a season 7 classic called Team Homer. <laughs> Team Homer. Yes, um, I actually watched this last night. And, um, oh, there are just some show-stopping moments in that episode. I I love Burns in that episode. Yes. He's hilarious. <laughs> and, well, Burns is pretty much always hilarious, but he's especially hilarious in that one. Just seeing yes. him try to go bowling is fantastic. You were telling me about your um, one of your favourite moments earlier with just Mo trying to obviously break Mr. Burns' knee. <laughs> yeah. After he was already incapacitated, actually popping it back into place and allowing Mr. Burns to play. It's the story of Mo's life, really. <laughs> Nothing goes right for Mo. <laughs> you know, he tries taking his own life, and that still doesn't go right. And it's um, yeah, I just love that that little bit. It just you just really feel really sorry for Mo, but you laugh at the same time. Oh, of course, uh, pretty much that is pretty much Mo's story, isn't it? You feel sorry for him, but you just still laugh. Mm. And. I think Mo is probably one of the most compelling char- secondary characters. Yeah. Or one of the most fun, one of the funniest as well. I mean, I remember he's at certain points he's got someone underneath the floorboards in his bar. He's got a killer whale that he managed to get hold of somehow. He's got a few pandas in there sometimes as well. Yeah. As I recall, and it's just, it's, it, you just wonder how he gets himself into these things. Mm. I think with Mo it is as well. You dislike him so much, you just you just love him. Everything yes. about him you dislike. He's like really ugly. He's a horrible person, but you love him because he's just I don't know. Everything goes wrong for him. And it, yeah, he's just mo, just mo. Speaking of Team Homer, actually, um, there's a fantastic um, bit of dialogue in that episode where um, Homer's talking on the phone. He goes, "Oh, oh, oh my damn wiener kids are listening." Yes, and the kids just ah, <laughs> uh, uh, Homer in that bit was brilliant. Yeah, that was that. That was actually, I think that's got to be one of my favourite lines of all time. Just about the Marge's obviously told him not to swear in front of the children. His, his, his response, it was it was perfect. Yeah, you know, Bart has just said that these uniforms mm. sucks, and then Marge just questions it, and then suddenly it cuts to Homer, and he's using that word more times in the sentence where he doesn't really need to. Yeah, suckiest <laughs> bunch of sucks that ever sucked. I mean. <laughs> There's just no need for that at all. That's the story of Homer's life, really, though, isn't it? Yeah, really. De- yeah, definitely. Hmm. But um, 
yeah, it's a great, it's a great, great story. Great A plot, great B plot, um, with the, uh, with the, um, the school uniforms. Yes. You see a brilliant piece of, uh, uh, scene with, uh, Skidder and Chalmers, who are probably the greatest pairing in television history. One of the greatest pairings. Let's not go overboard, James. I'm a, well, I'm a okay. big Mitchell and Webb fan myself. Oh, okay. I, if you ask me, I'm, <laughs> I think that, uh, Skim is better, but, uh, you know. Well. But, uh, yeah, that scene in the, at the end where he's, uh, taking the final analysis of the school and it starts raining. Yes. And it looks totally innocent and everything and all the hmm. Skinner's nightmare is just unfolded before yeah. him and all the uniforms are going by colour and suddenly he remembers that his mother's in the park hmm. and Skinner, Chalmers' reaction is, this I've got to see. doesn't care about the school anymore. Yeah. Just wants to see Skinner being humiliated. and that's part I, of think, I think Chalmers' den- general disdain for Skinner is just... It's it's a great sort of storyline that you get all the way through, and I think another one of those moments um, right at the beginning of the episode, you know, when Bart actually starts the rampage, mm. and just that brilliant sense of foreboding when Chalmers gives the school a perfect ten and starts with the zero. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> doubting, now, just doubting Skinner's, Skinner's ability all the time. It's zero, and I'll do the one afterwards just to make <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, great episode, I think. Perfect. And um, okay, let's have a number nineteen. Uh, number 19 is uh, Separate Vocations from Season 3. Separate Vocations. Is that the oldest one we have on the list? Um, I believe it's... Well, we've got Flaming Moves and Bart the Lover later on in the list. But they're also Season 3 as well. So you could argue that... No. Nope. Flaming Moves is the, uh, the oldest episode. Really? That was first broadcast. Well... But, uh, yeah, uh, separate vocations. Probably, probably a criminally underrated episode. I'd I'd say so. I mean, some of the earlier seasons are forgotten now, really, with so many on there. And um, I don't, I, you know, as sad as it is to say, most people who watch The Simpsons nowadays aren't pro- aren't really interested in the earlier seasons, which I think is a big shame. They're missing out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, separate vocations is a very underrated episode. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but I there's bits and pieces that come back at me, and it. It's a very it's a very emotional episode at some parts as well. The fact that sort of Bart realizes his place in society even after, you know, doing good and policing and things like that. And I no, I really enjoyed it. Mm. There's a, there's a great bit of line actually. I watched this earlier. There's a mm. great line in it. Um, Lisa's talking to uh, Jamie in class, and Jamie yes. says, "Oh, that that was a complete waste of time." And Lisa says, "Jamie, school is never a waste of time." Miss Hoover just turns around and says, "All right, children." We've got one minute to go. Now face forward and look at the front of the room until then. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> but um, it, it's a great episode. I, people might argue because people don't remember it, it's not that good. But I think it's easy to forget episodes like that. But when you see it again, you're reminded of how good The Simpsons yes. was. And um, it, that, that's a perfect example. Well, that's... Well, that's, I've got nothing to add to that. Um, I'm not going to profess to know anything about the episode because I haven't seen it in a while, so um, I'm going to hastily jump to number 18. Okay, uh, number 18, um, fantastic one, which is on everyone's probably top list, is uh, Homer's Enemy from season 8. Yes. With the brilliantly uh, but tragic story of uh, Frank Grimes. One of my favourite one-time characters, I'd say. Yes, I probably agree with that as well. 
it was um well it's um just it's just a perfect example of how things just happen for Homer. I mean, the the I like the sort of parody that they did on themselves when obviously Frank Graham's just looking at the pictures, and obviously you've just sort of got all this basically Homer's adventures condensed into four pictures, mm. and it just shows you how ridiculous his life has been. Yeah, standing with Gerald Ford, being in space, hanging out with the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a sort of it's really symbolic of Homer's luck compared to poor Frank Grimes who had to wrestle an eagle for his diploma. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's a fantastic gag. It really is. But I do I do feel sorry for Homer in that episode because I do think I do feel that Frank Grimes is being a little bit sort of harsh on Homer. Mm-hmm. Yes, Homer has had it easier, you might argue, um, but that's not really his fault, and you know Frank Grimes can't really blame him for the poor life that he's had. So. But I think that's the idea when the scriptwriters are writing it, you know. Yeah. You make up your own mind about Frank Grimes, but there's enough humour in that to make it a, just a, a hilarious episode. Of course, uh, and also there's some great Lenny and Carl moments in there as well. <laughs> Lenny and Carl. Talking about the greatest pairing on television, they might be yes. a good one as well. <laughs> that's that's up there, isn't it? And, you know, one of the few, well, you know, they got a good looking in the movie as well with one of the best lines, I think, from the movie. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I've always been happy with Lenny and Carl. There was, um, there was, the, I like, I'm not too sure if you've seen any of the later episodes occasionally. They do sort of allude to a homosexual, homosexual relationship between them a bit more. Yeah. Than yeah. Um, the earlier episodes, which I'm not too sure about. I think it's better, best just kept them as friends and always allowing all the sort of all the speculation to just be kept under wraps. I think there was an episode um, I might be wrong about what episode it was but I think it's the one where uh, gay marriages are legalised in Springfield mm-hmm. and um, Homer becomes authorised to marry gay couples and yes. uh, he said the first one I'm going to do is Lenny and Carl and Miles turns around and says no let them figure it out for themselves I was disappointed in that because they're trying to make it a bit more controversial, you know. Yeah. You know? Well, that was um. I think or, there was a huge news story building up to that because they had actually revealed that they were going to out a character, hadn't they? Yeah. And yeah. um, eventually turned out to be Patty. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about it, it isn't that surprising, really? But um, I honestly thought it would be um, surprisingly uh, Smithers, even though everyone knew he was gay. Mm. But then I also thought, you know, would it be like an all an act or something like that? But you know, he's too, too gay, really, <laughs> to become an act. But there's um, there's that great montage, isn't there, in um, Troy McClure's 351st episode, Spectacular, <laughs> with um, Smithers. Yeah. And I think the the relationship between Smithers and Mister Burns is excellent. And um, Home with the Smithers is one of my favourite episodes now. Yeah. After seeing it recently, and um. No, that really just gives you another insight into sort of... Well, thinking about it, Homer does just sort of ruin the lives for everyone around him while sort of getting on with his own. He does. He does, yeah. But um, um, just going back to the the Lenny and Carl thing, Mm -hmm. um, I think the way they sort of stick up for Homer and the way they defend him is is quite quite sweet, even though, you know, he does all these things wrong, like um, he's drinking beer at lunch and... (laughs) <laughs> sleeping in his radiation suit and yeah, and not chewing while he eats. He's... That was that's one of my favourite lines in the show. Just I'd say you eat more like a duck. Yeah, <laughs> pigs tend to chew. Yeah, 
Yeah, and um, the fact Lenny's been keeping count of how many times <laughs> Homer should have been killed in something like three yeah. months. <laughs> Carl just turns around and goes, yeah, it's best not to think about it. Like, <laughs> we humour Homer, we know what he's like, but we, yeah. we appreciate it for what he is. And I think that's why um, what Frank Cries failed to realise, to appreciate Homer. He's really the he's really probably the first genuine normal human being they had in the show. If you think about it, he's the only one who sees how ridiculous the rest of the world's acting. Yeah, I I think so definitely. You know, because even mean, Marge has some kind of tolerance for Homer. Yes, um, but Frank Grimes has none at all. He obviously what an idiot he is. You know? Yeah. But, okay, uh, so um, I'll, 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 um, we can move on to um, number seventeen on our list now. Uh, yep, uh, number 17, uh, season 6, is Brown Springfield. Brown Springfield, um, one of your favourites, um, isn't it, James? Yes, yes. Uh, it's a great episode. Um, mainly because I do like Lisa's episodes. Um, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of Lisa over some other characters, but um, definitely her episode, um, Dating Nelson, was one of my highlights. But, but um, I... I, just, I I like Lisa. It's nice to... She sort of like acts as the... How do I put it? Well, the normal part of the family. Yes. Because I think even Marge is a bit crazy. Well, actually, Marge is crazy. Some of the lines mm. she comes out of is amazing. Um, home is home and Bart is Bart. And Maggie isn't your normal one-year-old baby. No. Um, but um, Lisa, I think, acts as like the normal part of the family. And it's nice seeing how she tries to cope and survive in that. And her saxophone is the only sort of outlet that she has. And when her hero dies, it's quite, it's quite heartbreaking to see how she copes with it. Mm. But um, again, that episode, you get to see how what a nice person Bart is, you know? Yeah. Underneath that. I do I do like some of the more, I wouldn't say emotional, but definitely, well, just showing Bart's nicer side, especially towards his sister. I mean... Obviously, the the sibling rivalry episodes and bits are, are hilarious, but it's nice seeing a sensitive side to both of them sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, that's got one of my favourite crusty moments in it as well. Um, the bit where he's holding a, pro- a press conference. <laughs> and um, he, he just cuts in, he goes, um, and I can assure you that that family were decapitated before they entered the House of Knives. You just kind of <laughs> wonder and think... <laughs> What what kind of fairground is he operating that has a house of knives? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I like that episode. Um, obviously, because um, it's got some great rep- references to cultural things as well. Mm. The cloud moment was a big highlight for me in that episode. It's probably one of my favourite moments ever, I'd say. <laughs> the, uh, the, the Mufasa bit, I think, uh, got me. I had to research... The joke, but the more I go into it, was uh, it's very, very funny. A very and funny just, episode. Just you got the Darth Vader, and then him, and then just suddenly this is CNN, mm-hmm. and it just it was the icing on the cake. It was it it, it is a very good episode, and I'm glad it's on our list. Mm-hmm. Also, that episode um, uh, was the origin of groundskeeper Willie's uh, cheese eating surrender monkeys catchphrase. Really? Yep. Uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, that's housekeeper Willie teaching French. <laughs> been adopted by a, by a lot of other places really now, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a commonly used phrase, I yeah. believe now. Yeah. I think that's the effect that the Simpsons had on a, yes on really the world. 
you know, I, I think that's what makes it a great show. Mm. Um, also saying that Lionel Hutz is brilliant in that episode as well. Lionel Hutz is brilliant probably, in every episode. But, yeah, he is. Uh, he's one of the, he's probably the best minor character. Yeah, I think all of um, Phil Hartman's characters are brilliant. I think they are mm. faultless. Even Lyle Lanley. And I am, I am, I am glad that they discontinued his characters after. Yeah. I don't think anyone else would be able to do it justice. No, I think he was the perfect guy for it. You yes, know, he was fantastic. Um, I think I prefer Lionel Hutz over Troy McClure. Just. I think so too. Um, Lionel Hutz just, it just everything he does is just it's perfect, isn't it? I mean, in the courtroom and some of the things he does. Especially, um, there's an episode with the blue haired lawyer, and he he makes a very very good point, and um, Lionel Hutz in the defend defending Marge just goes, "Ooh, he's gonna win." <laughs> Fantastic! I think my favourite Lionel Hutz moment is one of the outtakes of uh, one of the Trials of Terrors. Yeah, uh, Trials of Horror. I don't know. And um, he comes in with a pizza. And he goes, "Well, I didn't win, but here's your pizza as promised." Later, <laughs> I said, "But Mr. Hutz, you won. That's okay. The box is empty." <laughs> It's like even now he's still trying to con this poor family. <laughs> right? Even though how adept he is, that he's oh, brilliant. Mrs. Simpson, don't you worry. I was watching a Matlock in a bar last night. The sound was off, but I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> that sentence I think sums up Lionel Hutz. Yes. He's in a bar. He's an alcoholic. <laughs> doesn't know what he's talking about. Doesn't know what he's listening to. His case research is a muted television show. Yep. <laughs> the sound wasn't up. I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> that's fantastic that's a brilliant quote mm-hmm. um, but yeah uh, Round Springfield a brilliant episode um, it's, it's um, yeah it's, it's a great it's in a way it's like a great feel good episode as well you know? yeah I mean you've got the, the triumphant sort of musical number at the end yeah um, and it's nice to see Bart being nice to his sister mm-hmm. but uh, uh, also Burns is once again brilliant in that episode as well with the the, the stash of money on the piece of string. Yeah. <laughs> how how empty must his life be if that's what he's going and doing? But uh, to be fair, I think I would probably try that at some point if I had the money. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> definitely. But uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable episode, and uh, one of the best. You're listening to the Superfan Happy Hour, making Happy Hour bitterly ironic since 2009, and this is James's quick joke of the fortnight. Did you hear about the guy who lost his left arm and leg in a car crash? He's all right now. <laughs> You're listening to the Superfan Happy Hour, making Happy Hour bitterly ironic since 2009, and that was James's quick joke of the fortnight. Okay, moving on now, and uh, it's time for Tom's film review. Uh, every fortnight Tom will review a couple of films which he uh, out in the cinema or maybe an older film one in the cinema one in the DVD hopefully that's what I'm going for that's what we're going for excellent and uh, uh, in this episode sorry uh, Tom's going to be reviewing Hard Candy starring a wonderful glorious fantastic uh, any other words you want to describe her? Um, Canadian. Canadian. Adorable. Um, it's Ellen Page. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get on her later. No, I'll, I, I am. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a podcast, our podcast without Smut, would it, James? Well, Smut, 
that's uh, directed at Ellen Page. If she's listening, we do really love you. <laughs> no, if you're listening, I love you. He he only decided he wanted you after after I started wanting you. It's it's a typical. What what what, what Simpsons episode is that? I think that's a Scrubs episode, actually. Well, it's it, it, it's probably referenced. No, to... you are right. Lisa talks about it because Maggie wanted the ball. I think in her playpen. Right. Yes. And he takes it away and uh, she wants it. Bye. See, look at that. We can reference Simpsons or Scrubs in any situation. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, uh, Hard Candy with yes. the My Future Wife, Ellen Page. And also The Spirit, Frank Miller's. It's his directorial debut, isn't it? Um, he directed half of Sin City, but um, it's his Is writing his... debut, I believe. A writing debut? Ah. I might be getting that wrong. He might have written Sin City and let... Either way, it's it's one of his debuts. It's a debut for something. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, the spirit, which I believe needs a bit of a bit of a hug. Yes, yeah, so, exactly. Uh, got a lot of stick. Uh, so, which one are you going to start with first? Um, I'll start with Hard Candy. Um, I'll start on a high note. Um, I know people usually like to leave the best till last, but I just can't. I, I, I think I'll just start with this. Um, Hard Candy is an excellent film. Four, I think, four actors in it in all, um, without not counting cameos and extras which is a real good feat for, you know, a 100-minute film, I think it is. Um, it's Ellen Page and Patrick Wilson together for most of the um, for most of the time. Patrick Wilson will be playing um, Night Owl in the upcoming Watchmen film, which I'm very excited about also. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a perfect film. Um, it's creepy in all the right places. Have you seen it yet, by the way? I um, still haven't seen it Oh, I've only watched the first four minutes. First four minutes. Well, you you agree with me that the meeting in the coffee, it just, it feels, it gets under your skin, doesn't it? Yeah. It's quite creepy. He's very sleazy and she's very good. And the good thing is that it crawls under your skin and it does, it stays there. You get that feeling of unease. You get that feeling of tension all the way through the film, right up until the last five minutes or so when it dispels and maybe it loses some of its magic for me. But, it, it you know, it's that's a trivial point compared to the rest of the film. Um... It's an 18, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, it definitely does... You know, there's definitely some things alluded to that wouldn't be allowed in younger age films, but at the same time, they there is absolutely no gore in the film, which I found surprising, actually, considering um, I heard people walked out of it at a horror festival. Really? Yeah, they couldn't couldn't stand it, apparently. Well, considering but, um, the kind of people that would go to that kind of festival, that's quite extraordinary. Exactly, and um, it, it is just, you know, what's implied is worse than what's shown I suppose and um, there is, there's a very drawn out but not in a bad way, it's a very drawn out but very carefully planned and very you know, you're getting up close to the actors' faces there's absolutely no soundtrack to it it's just heavy breathing and dialogue which I think adds to the tension even more and there's a drawn out, I think it's 20 minutes or so castration scene, which is um, well, it's just, it, it is brilliant and tense and you've got all this dialogue going on Patrick Wilson is terrific as well um both of them are terrific the way that the roles change I mean you've got Ellen Page as the sort of she's very small isn't she and she just looks very vulnerable when you, when he first meets her because he's quite tall and he's got the slick back hair he's got the glow you know he's got the look and she doesn't she's she looks very well young she was 18 I think at the time of filming this uh, 19 18 or 19 yeah 18 or 19 she's playing a 14 year old um, so um, to be able to stay in that psyche and it must have been great fun playing. Um, oh God, um, Haley. That's it. it. Must have been great fun playing Haley. Um, and it is just the way the characters reverse Haley and Jeff. 
going backwards and forwards between victim and villain and the other way around it's like she's terrorizing him and you do want her to let him go at one point he you, you almost think at there's one point where you know she's obviously humoring him and um, you eventually find out that she's mocking him but he does say you know just let me go i'll call you a cab home we can talk and she just says really and you're just thinking at this point yes have a talk go home and let's all just leave this and everyone can get away scot-free and um it doesn't happen unfortunately and it's it's great how a film can make you feel so well passionately about the release of a paedophile um I think I've said said my piece on this film now. I mean, it's an excellent film, so you should rent it or you should buy it, and you definitely shouldn't watch it illegally. And I'm not saying that ironically. You really shouldn't because you know these actors deserve everything they get, especially for that film. Yep, definitely. I think uh, I agree with that. I must make a point actually for the first four minutes. I think it's kind of wonderful to see how what a great actress Ellen Page is because, like I said, she was 18 or 19. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, she. She's got a quite a like sort of a very young look, but she does actually manage to pull off this sort of fourteen-year-old sweet innocent girl look in the film, yeah. and I think that's what's great and wonderful. I think that's what's wonderful about Ellen Page. So uh, she can make you believe anything, and that's what's excellent. Mm. Uh, but I look forward to uh, watching it. Oh, and I also would like to say happy birthday to Ellen Page. I know it's coming up soon. Um, James, if you're on Wikipedia, could you check that for me? I know her birthday's around this time. Uh, February 21st. February 21st. Okay, so um, I'm out by a month, but um, I'll say happy 22nd birthday to Ellen Page. Maybe in the next few podcasts still, but you know we can have we can have a countdown for her. We've got one month to go. Okay. So happy birthday, Ellen. Um, Incidentally, she's 49 days older than me. 49 days. Yeah. That's well. <clears throat> It, I never really thought age was much of a factor in marriage or love, to be honest, James. So. <laughs> but we're more compatible, so. Would you say so? Yeah. She looks really young. People would think that maybe, you know, they, there might be certain connotations with you and her going out. Well, maybe. I think we'll leave her at that. We can move on to the spirit. Okay, I think. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, um, the spirit. Um, it's a new film by Frank Miller. Um, original comic created by Will Eisner. Um, it's about. Well, it's not really about anything, and that's sort of what the main problem is with the film. Um, Sin City sort of, you could say it had a purpose, didn't it? Mm. Well, it didn't have a purpose, but you can tell they were going, it had it had the benefit of being able to split up its stories, yeah. which the spirit doesn't have. It's all in one big block. The story isn't quite as compelling, and I think the 12A rating did hinder it a bit. With mm. Sin City, you got everything. You got the violence, you got the girls, it was... You got the unhinged dialogue, and it worked all together. In Frank, it was exactly what Frank Miller wanted to be doing. Whereas the Spirit, it seems like in a way they played it safe, and playing it safe with a film like The Spirit isn't necessarily such a good idea, especially with Miller's style. Um, you've got some really, really weird lines that you know, if you were to hear in any other film, you would just think, "What am I watching? What is this?" Um, there's a line where the Spirit says, um, "I'm going to kill you. All kinds of dead." which is, um, well, it's grammatically incorrect, but at the same time, you think, if that was in Sin City, um, there's a line in Sin City, I think, where she says, kill him, Marv, kill him good. And, um, you you know, you can sort of um, make links to those two. It's, um, it's not as bad as people say, though. I mean, I, I, w- I, sat, I sat there the whole way through. I was, I was entertained, and I, 
I didn't like the story necessarily. There's a I, I did like this sort of old-fashioned idea of having a MacGuffin in it. Do you know what a MacGuffin is? No. A MacGuffin is um, basically, it's a sort of nameless item that's coveted throughout the film that never quite gets an explanation as to why it is, like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Right. Or the painting in Rock and Roller. Right. If you've seen either of those films. Right. I've said uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, just a mysterious item that's coveted. And um, in this one, it's um, the, well, it's two items. It's... Um, the Golden Fleece from Jason and the Argonauts and um, the Blood of Heracles. And um, Blood of Heracles will um, grant immortality, which is what the octopus Samuel L. Jackson is after. Mm. He plays a very good character, um, very eclectic wardrobe. Um, at some points he's wearing... Um, I'm not really sure. Um, at some points he's wearing a kimono and um, at other points he's wearing a big raincoat and other points he's wearing an SS uniform. Um, and it's it's good it's good to see Samuel L. Jackson letting himself go because God knows he hasn't been able to do that recently. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and um, no, I very much I very I very much wouldn't say I was I was very entertained by the film and it's not too bad. I mean, if you were to give it a, if I was going to give it a rating, I'd give it a solid four out of ten. So that's a two star rating by any general magazine standards. Hmm. Would you, uh, how do I put it? Uh, if you hadn't seen any of Frank Miller's other movies like 300 or Sin City, would you have yes. liked it more? I don't think so, and I think that's what the problem is. People who don't know Frank Miller and people who haven't seen any of his films wouldn't exactly appreciate it that much. I mean, you know, I don't. I, I did my homework. I, I've, I've watched 300 and I've watched Sin City, and uh, um, I've liked Frank Miller's style. And um, I think that people who don't understand that or don't quite get what he's doing with his films would feel quite um, puzzled by the way that he works if, if you will and um, because it's true he's sort of half joking in everything he makes I think that's what people don't get he is he's having fun and he, he's sort of making fun of the audience I think at the same time which works for him on certain levels I suppose mm-hmm. um, so the spirit not that bad I'd say go and see it but feel optimistic when you're seeing it and Make sure that you know that. Well, you know, just do your homework on Frank Miller. There's a few stipulations to that film, which doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but it's not that bad either. And don't believe what everyone say, everyone else is saying. Oh no, definitely not. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a film, and it's it doesn't deserve some of the abuse it's been getting. It, you know, I mean, I think Sex and the City and The Happening and things like that they deserve everything they get. But um. I mean, they were just vacuous pieces of money-making, blockbuster Hollywood mm. summer. Uh, it, two very bad films, and um, I, I should have a worse list at some point, I think, as well. But um, no, The Spirit, I think, it was a film that Frank Miller wanted to make, and that he he did make, and I think we should respect him for that and enjoy his style. Okay, excellent. Um, just quickly before you... Um... Um, yeah. Before we uh, move on, actually, you mentioned uh, the happening, yes, which is obviously uh, directed by uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. When would you say it was his last decent movie? Um, uh, you know, it's something that I've sort of laid awake thinking about, and not obviously in too much detail. I'm quite a scaredy cat, so thinking of most of his films at night would tend to give me the chills. Mm. Um, I'd say that. 
I did, I did. I have to say, I did quite enjoy the village until the twist. Did you ever see the village? Um, no, I didn't. No. I, I did quite enjoy it until you get um, the most ridiculous twist in film history, really. And it sort of changed. It, it's a game changer. It's a rattlesnake in the mailbox, if you will. Um, I think I, I, I enjoyed Signs, and I think I would say that Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs are um, good films. But he's yet to make an excellent film. Yet to make an excellent. I um, I'd say so. I I wasn't. I'm not one of the. I'm not one of the cult Six Sense fans. Really, I preferred Unbreakable to Six Sense. If I'm honest. Okay. Uh, moving on now uh, into the podcast. We have our top three people of the week. Uh, every fortnight, we uh, make up a list of top three people. Yes, it's called Top 3 People of the Week. It has a better ring to it than Fortnite, doesn't it? Yeah, but um, it's the top three people of three people who are, I think, are awesome. Yes, basically. And uh, Tom, would you like to say number three? Yeah, so number three, um, well, number two for me, we could say, um, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, what? Sorry? Why is that, sorry? He's a, he's an excellent actor. Um, he's come he's come back since uh, well, summer two thousand seven. He had his break breakthrough role as um, Iron Man. Wait, summer two thousand eight. That's it. What's wrong with me? Uh, summer two thousand eight. He had his um, real sort of comeback role as Iron Man and as um, Tony Stark. Have you seen the film? Did you like it? Uh, <coughs> Iron Man. Yes. Um, I have actually got to sit here on DVD. Well, on Blu-ray actually, but um, I haven't got around to watch it yet. You really should. You really should. It's um, it's a very, very good film. Um, it's it's really fun, and they 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 have made it very well. It's got really special effects, but at the same time, he puts in an excellent performance. And um, he was then seen on Tropic Thunder, um, which not not a very good film, but he was definitely one of the highlights of it. Um, he's coming back now. He's got Iron Man Two, um, and also. The Avengers movie, both of which um, I have high hopes for, and um, he's also going to be in the new Sherlock Holmes film with Guy Ritchie, which I'm very much looking forward to. What do you think of that? Um, well, I'm not really a fan of Guy Ritchie. No? No. I don't really like his movies. They all seem a bit sort of... Yeah, I, I don't you know. Lockstock was a very good film. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Guy Ritchie's films are not really my, my kind of thing, really. Well, okay. Well, we've got Guy Ritchie directing this um, new Sherlock Holmes film with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law as Watson. Which, um, yes. Um, so I'm not really sure what direction they're going to take that in, but certainly he's going to be very good at any rate. Um, James, who's your number two? Uh, my number two is um, the actress Elizabeth Mitchell, which you'll be known as Juliet from Lost. Yes. And um, she is, quite frankly, doing my head in. <laughs> because I have this awful feeling that, by the way, if you don't watch Lost, this will make no sense to you at all. And if you haven't watched all of Lost yet, there might be some spoilers ahead. But um, she's... I can't escape the feeling that she's evil. I know, yes. She comes, She gives off this evil light every time she smiles, every time she looks at Jack or one of the Lost things, you just think, oh, she's evil. But then she does these things, which thinks, oh, wait a minute, she's good, good, evil. And I'm just hoping that she does something good that would cement it, that would make me convinced that she is good. And then she would be probably my favourite character 
But uh, she's been sort of like rattling around in my head at the moment, thinking, you know, is she evil, is she good? But um, yeah, that's my number two. Brilliant. And um, I'd just like to add that moral ambiguity is it's a great theme in Lost, isn't it? And um, Ben is certainly one of the most compelling characters in the story. Yeah, I think up to um, about four or five days ago, I would disagree with you, but uh, yeah, Ben has. Where are you up to now on the episodes, if I can I, up to, I think, episode five of season, of season four. Oh, so it's, um, it's, getting it's heating up. Yeah. Okay. And for those who don't know, um, before up to about eight, ten weeks ago, I hated Lost. And because um, I tried to sit down and, and watch it, and the problem was is that I was watching it random episodes. I wasn't watching it from the start, so it wasn't making any lot of sense. I was thinking, what the hell's going on? But I watched, gave it another go, watched it from the start, and I've become very much addicted to it. And I'm trying to get it all done before season five starts. I think you'll make it. I think I will. Do. <laughs> but what are you going to do? I mean, you've had you've had uh, eight weeks now of seasons one through four, and now you're going to have after this in about. 10 weeks time you're gonna to have to wait a year until your final fix well that's okay though because i can watch all the seasons again and think oh wait i missed that or i missed that or i just thought of a new theory but i think i think that's what's great we don't want to get into lost theories i think we could be here all night but um yeah, i think so yeah <laughs> right um would you like to announce our number one or should i um well i think i should because seeing as she will be my future wife Go ahead, then. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to... Every time you make one of these jokes, I'm just going to let you do it. Okay, right. Uh, number one is uh, the lovely, the adorable, the wonderful, the Canadian, <laughs> Ellen Page. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to say on her. She's just wonderful. She is um, um, a very deserving number one for our first ever podcast. Um, I think... Um, I, I originally fell in love with Ellen Page about a year ago watching Juno. Um, which um, very very powerful film and received some quite unfair press after its initial after its initial success mm-hmm. and um, a very very lovable film and very very lovable character and um, I just want to say thank you Ellen Page for being such an important part of my life for one year now <laughs> happy anniversary I'd just like to say thank you to Mr and Mrs Page for giving birth to such a wonderful daughter <laughs> but, uh... you didn't have to go there James well, I thought it needed to be said. <laughs> She's wonderful. She is. I'm sure if this was Wayne's World, then, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen Wayne's World. Um, I actually haven't. It's a you... constant source of embarrassment for me. You haven't seen Wayne's World? No, I'm a film reviewer and I haven't seen Wayne's World. You must see Wayne's World. Mike okay. Myers' finest moment. Well, that's that's not really much of a oh, claim. Be nice. I think Mike Myers has got <laughs> really good up to... The Shrek films. The Shrek films, I think, really, was, but they don't really count because they were sort of a, yes. a voice thing, really. Than mm. But I think maybe Austin Powers was Austin Powers 2 was the last piece to tell me did. Okay, okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Right, so that's, that's um, well, in ascending order, we've got Robert Downey Jr. at number three. Um, we've got Elizabeth Mitchell, Juliet from Lost at number two, and Ellen Page is our number one of the week. Thank you Thanks. very much. Well, you're listening to the Super Fun Happy Hour podcast, the first episode, the very first episode. It's like a defining moment of 2009. People are going to look back on this moment, uh, this fine example of amateur radio making and hopefully just say, yeah, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Maybe in four or five years' time, we'll look back and think, that created this. 
Yes. Well, we'll that was our downfall. One or the other. <laughs> we'll be sitting in comfy chairs, laughing away with Mark Commode and Charlie Brooker. Um... Oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe not Commode, but definitely Brooker. We can... Cynical That's Okay, Mark Mark is going to be my number two of the week next time we talk in that case. <laughs> All right, then. In case you don't know, I don't really agree with Mark Kermode's... Dr. Uh, Kermode. No. <laughs> no. If, you, okay. if you're calling him Dr. Kermode, I'm calling Charlie Brooker Sir Brooker. Sir Brooker. I, see, I would agree with that, though. Uh, a wonderful man, Charlie Brooker. If you haven't watched... Charlie Brooker, get yourself on YouTube. Someone's kindly put all the episodes of Screenwife up on there, so he's a fantastic man. Yes, like, he is. Like swearing, not fantastic. God bless him. <laughs> um, unless you have anything else to say, Tom, we could wrap this I up. I just want to say, um, well, thanks very much for listening. If you have made it to the end, and um, really do give us an email or give us, you know, and contact us in any way because at this stage we're only too happy to help. Yep. Uh, our email address, which would be helpful if we gave it out, is superfunhappyhour, all in one word, at ymail.com. Uh, email us with things that maybe you'd like to say, comments on Tom's reviews, or if you'd like to appear on the show, um, we're more than welcome to uh, get yourself sorted out for that. Um, yes. Apart from that, I don't think I have anything else to say. Thanks very much for listening, and um, hopefully, with any luck and um, without any more hardware malfunction we'll see you in a fortnight excellent uh this has been the super fun happy hour podcast making happy hour seem bitterly ironic since 2009 i've been james and i've been tom thanks very much thank you very much and good night